This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Jeff Goins, welcome to the Courage Cast. Thanks for having me, Eric. Good to be here. So, Jeff, one of the things that I find very amusing um, in my day is to read your very quick-witted Facebook posts. (laughs) So, let me read a couple things that just recently have amused me. Uh, The V-neck is the lazy man's attempt at being stylish. Uh, But then you also ask questions. But one of my favorite ones, just... 23 hours ago is if you wear sunglasses on the back of your head, I am silently judging you. I love that. So do you write these things to amuse yourself? Basically? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually started, um, uh, uh, yes, I have these little thoughts and I go, these, like, this is going to make somebody mad or make somebody laugh and maybe accomplish both those things. Uh, but, but these things make me laugh. Uh, like the V-neck is an undergarment. It's an undershirt yes. that was invented so that, you know, people couldn't see your shirt mm-hmm. and it became a, you know, fashion statement. But like every dude I know, like, will just like do a V-neck and, and jeans uh, and, you know, as like an attempt to be stylish. And I think it's lazy. I don't have any, I don't have any problem with laziness. I wore a V-neck the other day. I'm just saying it's lazy. Um, I, <laughs> that's okay. You know what? You're, you're absolutely right. What I tried to do though, is I tried to wear a V-neck the other day, but I had a, a button down shirt and I tried to wear a tie. I uh-huh. actually wore a tie for a rare time in my life. And, yeah. and when I had the V-neck on, I looked like such an idiot. <laughs> Because there's that space where it's like you can see your skin between the yeah. neck and the, uh, uh-huh. the Adam's apple. Anyway, it's and I feel like you have to have a particular build, which is um, skinny, <laughs> <laughs> to be able to pull off a V neck. Yes, and then everybody else is just posing, including me. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, but I actually started using my personal Facebook uh, profile page. Um. I had probably 18 months ago to help me make sense of things that didn't make sense, including like the political situation in America. Why does one group of people say this? Another group of people says that and they both think they're idiots. Mm-hmm. And like, I've got friends on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of started using it as like a forum to have thoughtful conversation about polemical issues uh, in hopes that, you know, people aren't just triggering each other and, um, you know, yeah. blowing, blowing their lids. And I've learned a lot as a result of it. Well, I, I like it because a lot of times it's a question that you're right. sincerely curious about. And right. it's amazing the people that interact and respond. Right. And, and that's actually my favorite part of social media in general, especially on Facebook, is the kind of conversation and banter that goes on back and forth. Yeah, the social part. The social part. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I've been enjoying that. Now I you've been a blogger for since blogging was not even a thing really, right? I think I started my first blog in 2005, 2006 yeah. on a site called Zanga, X A N G A. Um I was actually in San Francisco not too long ago. Um 
doing a, teaching a class with Creative Live, and I was visiting this um, like huge building where this startup had um, essentially taken over for another company. I said, "What? What? What is this? Like, what did this? Like, did you guys just you know?" Because it was it was like perfectly set up for this like company of like three hundred people, and they just moved in, and I was like, uh, "How did this happen?" And they said, "Oh, remember Zanga? These are their offices." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I started I started blogging. Um, first of all, I, d- I didn't like the name blog. Yeah, um, I thought it sounded like a disease that you got. <laughs> I have the blog. I have the blogs. I have the blogs. Yeah, I've got a blog on like the back of my neck, and it might be cancerous. I'm going to see the doctor about it next week. Uh, and so I think I called it like a you know a, an online journal or something. Yeah. But I started it uh, in end of 2005, 2006, the year I traveled with a band. And um, what band? Uh, it was it was this Christian music ministry called CTI Music Ministries. So we would we would go to we didn't really have a name uh, that was our name um, <laughs> CTI, and uh, we would we would go to churches, schools, and prisons and play concerts. Oh. Uh, and so I started blogging uh, during that year, kind of talking about some of those uh, experiences that we had. Yeah, yeah, and uh, since you were one of that was still pioneering. I know it started earlier than that, but I sure. didn't start blogging until 2006 or seven yeah. either. But Michael Hyatt had already been yeah. pretty popular already at that point, um, mm-hmm. blogging as the CEO of, of Thomas Nelson. And um, so what was that like? Like, when did you get your, when did you start realizing that a lot of people are reading my blog? Was that during your Zanga years? No, uh-uh. Um, I have always sought people's attention and not known what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, as a kid, I was shy, but I would join bands and try out for plays and, and, and do that sort of thing. And then I'd always be kind of embarrassed, you know, once I got the attention that I was clearly seeking. Uh-huh. Um, and that sort of happened, you know, I'd write something on something sort of confessional on the Zanga blog. And then like one of my, uh, band mates would say, Oh, I read that. And I was like, Oh, you read that? How, how did you find it? And it's like, well, it's on the internet. Um, but I had nine failed blogs, including that one where I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I, as I mentioned, you know, I was always doing creative things to try to get people's attention. I used to draw comics in elementary school. Uh, then I started playing music and I started acting in plays and doing mm-hmm. um, debate and public speeches and stuff. And, um, and so I was always like kind of trying to get people's attention, but then didn't know what to do with it. And, and so I was doing that with blogging and I had nine different blogs, none of which uh, had much of a readership. And then the 10th blog, uh, and it took about a decade, mm. um, I learned a bunch of things from all those failures. And that's the blog that I have today. And that was, that was in six months, I got more readers on that blog than I had in the previous nine years of, you know, nine different blogs. Mm-hmm. And so now you help other people, you really kind of honed in to help other other people, other bloggers yeah. do what you did, as well as writing books. Um, that's a big, big part of your, it seems like your cause and how you serve people through your, through your blog, through Goins, goinswriter.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 What, um, what changed? So ten, the 10 blogs, the 10th blog worked for you. 
um, or it seemed to resonate with people. What did you, what were some of the, the lessons that you learned? There's only one lesson. Uh, there's one thing that the 10th blog had that the other nine did not. And that was me. And what I mean by that is the first nine blogs, I quit. Mm. And the last one, I never quit. And that's the one variable. That's the one factor that we have control over is whether or not we keep going or we stop. Mm. And obviously, like some ideas were better than others. I had a blog called The Toilet Seat, you know. Uh, what was that one about? <laughs> uh, you know, the dirty parts mm. of reality and life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I would start something. I'd get a big idea, uh, you know, in the shower or something. Yeah. Uh, I'd sit down and start writing. I, I would think that this deserves a whole new domain, a whole new URL, <laughs> a new website. i go, this is the new thing. This is my life. This is my identity now. This is my cause. And I would tell my wife about it, and she would kind of go, okay, and roll her eyes. Mm-hmm. And I would write on that blog for about six weeks, and then I'd get bored or distracted and life would happen Uh and I'd forget about it and it wouldn't immediately take off. And so I'd lose steam pretty quickly. And then a few months later, I'd get a new idea. And this is how it went for nine years. Wow. Uh, Never stuck with something longer than about six months. Mm -hmm. And so when I started goingswriter.com, first of all, I I had to reach a level of frustration because I wanted to be a writer. And you're right. People like Michael Hyatt were becoming very popular at that time saying you need a platform. And I had seen people living in Nashville. I've been here 11 years and I'd, I'd seen this thing happen. Maybe you've seen it too, where like Gosh, I, I saw that person, you know, at a coffee shop the other week, and now they have a book deal, and they're quote unquote a big deal. Yeah, and there was part of me that really wanted that. Yeah, and and it seemed kind of mysterious to me, and I realized, okay, well, what these people have that I don't have is an audience, mm-hmm. a drive. Mm-hmm. Seth Godin would say. Yeah, and so I said, okay, I'm going to do this, uh, but I'm going to do the one thing that I, uh, I'm going to not do the one thing that I keep doing, which is I'm going to not quit. Mm. And I decided that I would write every day on this blog for two years without fail. Uh, and if I couldn't get 250 readers in those, in that two year span, then I would give myself permission to quit, move on. Cause that was the longest I had ever been committed to anything other than my marriage at that point. And so <laughs> that's what I did. So two- and the, yeah. So, uh, how quickly did you get 250 readers? So the first six months, um, which was, this was sort of the typical trajectory, you know, the, in the first six months, I got something like 80 readers. Mm-hmm. And does and that I, mean I, when you say readers, you mean 80 people gave you their email address? I had 80 subscribers to the blog Okay, and typically fewer people visiting each day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, and so I did that for six months and I just, I wasn't, fo- I, I mean, I was looking at that, but I wasn't paying much attention to it. I was trying to pay attention to the work. I had a daily deadline. It was a new blog post every single day for six months. And I was starting to write some guest blog posts and articles. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, on month seven, I grew from 80 readers to over a thousand email subscribers wow. in a week. And what, what and, happened? And then things just took off from there. What, what do you um, think I, it was? Was it one epic post or was it a specific it thing? Was, it was sort of um, uh, an intersection of a bunch of different things. Uh, first of all, um, because I wanted to be like these other bloggers and writers that I had observed, 
uh, I started reaching out to those people and trying to learn from them. I, I started meeting with Michael for coffee anytime he would um, give me the time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very generous mm-hmm. with his time. And, and so I started meeting people like that kind of in that circle. And I realized how much more accessible people, even influential, quote unquote, important or busy people are. Yeah, yeah. Um then we sometimes realize, and I, and I believe that's still true today. Mm-hmm. And so I just started meeting these people and kind of like building a network without realizing that's what I was doing. I would meet them. I would ask them questions, uh, and I would try to apply anything that they, that they told me. And I would tell them mm. that that's, that's, this is what I'm doing. You told me to do this thing. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't meet with people to necessarily like pick their brains, but I would say, Hey, how did you, you know, do this thing? Or, you know, I'd have questions. Mm-hmm. And if they ever offered any advice or shared anything, I would go apply that. And later on, I, I kind of codified this process in retrospect. I was like, Oh, that's kind of smart. Um, mm-hmm. I call it the case study strategy. And I think it's, it works really well. If you want to connect with people that, and you want them to invest in you, the best thing you can do is simply become their case study and start doing whatever it is that they say that you should do now. Yeah. Because what does any person who has influence, who's an influencer, leader, or teacher, what do they want, really? Yeah. They, they want to know that people are doing the stuff that they talk about. Yeah, no kidding. They want to know that they're valuable to someone else. <laughs> yeah. So I started letting these people know that, that their information was valuable to me, and then I started asking to meet with them or talk with them if I could. And so I kind of built this network, and 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 so I did that, and then I released an ebook because um, I was like, oh, I need more email subscribers, and this isn't really working, just telling people to join my newsletter. Yeah. I'll create a free ebook that people can download when they come to my website. And I created that, and then I went to these people that I, I had met, including Michael, and asked them to essentially endorse the mm, book and mm. consider sharing it. It was just a short 900-word PDF that I designed uh, you know, on my MacBook and, and just put it on my website. People had to enter their email to get it. But I asked all those people to share it, and they all shared it that week. And I got 1,000 email subscribers email. doing that, and I realized – there were two things that I realized, Eric. One was, oh, this is what's on the other side of commitment, right? Mm-hmm. I never, I never, I never stuck with something this long, <laughs> and it, and and it wasn't just continual, gradual growth for me. It was exponential growth. It was a hockey stick. By the end of that year, I had over ten thousand readers. Um, so that I realized was, oh, like good things can come if you commit for you know longer than a moment. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I realized, I learned, was um, now, for the first time in my life, more people than I had ever had access to, a thousand people, uh, were now listening to me. And I seemingly, overnight, had influence that I never had before, and I had to figure out, what do I do with that? Yeah. Well, I want to I ask you about that, because, but, but I want to just sort of stop and, and observe what I just heard you saying, which is... You, you. St- one of the the re- the key ingredients is you were persistent. You did not quit, and you committed to something longer than you'd ever committed to it before. Number two, you humbled yourself, and you. But also, you had the courage to go ask these influencers for their time. Um, cause that's not easy yeah. to do. It's, I mean, no. I've run into Michael several times, uh, and he's always the, the kindest person in the world, but yep. I always have to imagine he's probably even busier than he's ever been. 
but the courage, the guts to ask for that when you were really essentially a nobody in his mind, right? Right. Yeah. Like, what was that? Cur- so those are the two, to me, those were the two major things. And then thirdly, you had something that people, you had something of value other than a blog to, to offer people that they could only get when they subscribe to your email list. Right. So a point of action, you led them to something. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but yeah, but back. Yeah. To, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I want, I want to hear your comment on that. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's I think that's true, and I I wrote something. I think the job of a writer is to write something that's true for you, that's true for somebody else. So there's kind of two jobs. If you do the first without the second, you're journaling. If you do the second without the first, you're merely marketing. And I think uh, a good writer tries to do both things. Here's what's true for me. That's also probably true for somebody else. Uh, and so as I did, I wrote a, a thing called the Writer's Manifesto based on an article that I had written called "Writers Don't Write to Get Published." And it was just my journey of, um, frankly, chasing accolades and chasing attention and coming up empty-handed and realizing, gosh, I have to commit to process, not the product. I've got to commit to the act of daily writing because that in and of itself is fulfilling and rewarding. Uh, And so I had made this shift, which we didn't really talk about. I'd made this shift – uh, after nine years of failing to build an audience, I realized, you know what? I got to do this for me. Mm-hmm. I'll do this for two years every day, do my best work I can do every day. Uh, and if nobody shows up at the end of two years or it's not enough people, then I'll say that was that was nice. That was a good experiment. I'm going to try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so I'd, I'd made that commitment. So I wrote a manifesto kind of about that. And it resonated uh, with people. Um, but yeah, I think – uh, good work is uh, necessary but not sufficient to having a creative career. You've got to have the right social connections to essentially amplify your work to get it in front of those people. Or at least that helps good work uh, succeed more quickly. And um, I was scared to reach out to people like Michael. Mm-hmm. And I uh, didn't feel like I had anything to offer. But I had been scared for uh, however long I, I've lived here, you know, yeah. uh, five, six years. And I realized what that got me, which was like me sitting on the couch, literally watching people on the internet succeed in ways that I wanted to succeed. And I had done the thing that some of us do where we see somebody else do something that we think we can do, but we get all like bitter and disillusioned about it. And I'd done that. I'd gone down that hole and gone, oh, they just got lucky or, they're, you know, I'm mm-hmm. better than that. And, sure. And, and instead, I started to study what these people had done and realize, oh, one of the things that these successful people have that I do not have is they've got a network. They've got connection with other people who are doing the kind of work that they want to do. And I realized, I mean, literally, like today, I think in this world that I'm in, the um, you know online marketing and business space and also the, the writing world, uh, it's understood that there's a little bit of a hub here in Nashville. But, um, you know, a decade ago, it, it wasn't really that way. It was like country music was here and, you know, some other things. Mm-hmm. And I realized – oh, I don't have to live in New York City or L.A. Uh, there's a scene here, too. And um, and so I just – I thought I don't really have much to lose. And I um, would reach out to people. I would share – when I reached out to Michael, I would say, 
uh, hey, I'm a young writer um, trying to figure this out. I've been reading your blog for a while. Here are some of the things that I've already done. Uh, and um, here's, you know, here's some links to my articles. And I had had the privilege of working with a boss. I worked at a nonprofit at the time who basically taught me how to communicate with busy people because he was uh, he was a CEO. He was a very driven person. And he just gave me some tips very early on when I when I met him. He was he started telling me stuff like giving me advice. And he's like, "Are you going to remember all this?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll remember all this." He's like, "You should write." He's like, "You should write this down." I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I'll write this down." And then I I would write everything down at the end end, end of the meeting. He goes, "What are you going to do with those notes?" I go, "I'm gonna I'm gonna read them." He goes, <laughs> "You should take those notes and email them to me to let me know that you got something out of this." Mm. I said, "Okay, I'll do that." And so I mean, very quickly I um. He helped me sort of develop a, I guess, a rubric for meeting people uh, who whose time you have requested. It doesn't matter if they're busy, important, or not. If you ask to meet with somebody, uh, you should come with questions. You should take notes, and at the end of the meeting, when it's over, you should immediately email them or send them your takeaways. Mm. And and so I met Michael once, and he has admitted that he was just feeling especially generous that day, and. Uh, <laughs> And there were some things that I did really wrong in that meeting. I showed up late. I was super nervous. I talked a lot about myself instead of asking him about himself. We talked about this afterwards, um, you know, years later after we were friends. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't do it perfectly. And yet, the one thing I knew how to do was follow up because mm. my boss had taught me this. He basically said the secret to influence is um, you keep showing up in a person's life. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be the most charismatic. You don't have to impress them or toot your own horn. You just have to keep showing up. And my boss, his name is Seth Barnes, uh, my former boss now. Um, I, I asked him, you know, like he he, he would go, uh, you know, I called this guy and he just gave a million dollar donation or whatever. Yeah. Or I would find out that he knew some celebrity or something. And I go, how do you know this person? How do you know that? How do you know all these people? You know, and how is it that they're calling you? Mm-hmm. You know, how are these uh, deca millionaires calling you when their lives blow up, uh, asking you for advice? And he was like, because for twenty years I just kept showing up, mm-hmm. and I didn't ask them for anything. I just stayed in their life. And he said, I realized I'm not the most charismatic. I'm not the you know biggest personality, but I can just show up. Yeah. And I re- like. Once you understand that, it takes the pressure off of you to impress the person. Yes. And just go, oh. And after that meeting happened with Michael, which was probably one of the first few dominoes, I realized, gosh, here's a guy whose blog I uh, worship. Mm -hmm. And um, I emailed him and he said yes. And now we're talking. Now we're friends. Who else do I have access to that I don't even realize I have access to them because I've already said no for them. And it just – broke something in me. And ever since then, um, you know, I feel like I kind of have, have access to anybody that I want to have access to if I'm willing to do the work, which is show up, keep showing up, let them know that you're whatever, paying attention, that you're somebody that is worth investing in, that you'll do, uh, whatever they're going to teach or share with you. And that's been a really fun, incredible ride to just sort of a game to see who else can I meet that (laughs) I thought maybe I could ever meet this person. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 my takeaways just from hearing what you're saying is, um, uh, I, my thing I'm, I'm going to do from now on is follow up with everyone I meet with and say, Hey, I really enjoyed, 
our time together, here were kind of my big takeaways from our conversation and things I'm going to implement. And I just want to thank you sincerely for, for, uh, for doing that and spending that time. It was well worth it for me. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy, Eric. Yeah. Um, I will, you know, meet with people, um, almost every Wednesday I have lunch with anyone, uh, usually a reader who's, you know, in town or, or, or has come to town. Um, and I'll tell them this story and I'm not like the guru on this, but it's fascinating to me. I think most people, um, who do creative work understand, well, any kind of work that who, you know, matters. And, and so I'll tell them these stories about following up and I will, I will say to them, you know, just most people do not do this. And, and I'll say, look, I don't know why we're meeting or if you're hoping to get something out of this and, and I'm happy to just have lunch with you. Uh, but, um, if you would like this to develop into something other than a one-off lunch, and again, I'm not saying it has to, but I understand that that is a desire that some people have. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm totally open to that. Um, but what I would recommend that you do is what I've just shared, which is, Whatever you get out of this, follow up. Let me know. Just send me an email saying, here are my takeaways, and let me know when you do those things, and just stay in touch. Mm. And don't just do that with me. Do that with anybody whose time you want, and you want more of that time, because that would be a valuable relationship for you. Because I think we put so much pressure on like the meeting. I met this guy once, so I'm connected now. Right. That's not, that's not how that works. No. You know? It doesn't a ever net- work like that. A network is a small group of active relationships. Um and so I will tell them this, and I will also tell them this, and this is the kind of the, the lesson here. Um, I will say, hey, just so you know, um, most people don't do this. In fact, eight out of 10 people that I have lunch with, I tell them this. Most of them say, okay, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and they never do. Mm-hmm. I said, so if you want to stand out from everybody, all you have to do is not that. Mm-hmm. Don't say you're going to follow up and not follow up. Again, I don't care. My feelings aren't hurt. I'm not like waiting for you to send me an email telling me what you got out of this lunch. I'm fine with the salad. You know, like it's good. (laughs) Sincerely. So I'm not like, I don't want it to feel like I'm like manipulating somebody into like giving me compliments or anything like that. Sure. Um, But lots of people say, I'm going to do it. And here's the crazy thing. Eight out of 10 people uh, don't do it. And I tell them this. I tell them the statistics. Eight out of 10 people don't do this. So be different. Uh-huh. The, the number never changes. Interesting. Isn't that weird? It's I I get it though. It's yeah, just I do it's too. Human, it's human nature. nature. Yeah, human right. nature. Um, yeah. Wow. I uh, I really really like that. Um, I'm gonna gonna apply that. Uh, I've seen it happen in my life. Um, you know, I had like for example, I had I decided actually probably one of the reasons I decided to contact you was when I made the decision to do exactly that uh, in the Courage Cast. So I've done 378 wow. episodes of this. That's amazing. So it's in essence, it's like a blog in a podcast form, you know? Right. Um, I love interviewing people. I'm just naturally curious about people. And so that part of it is really easy. But even just the discipline of, of writing every day and podcasting every day, it's the same thing, right? I mean, it's, it's the podcasting for me is like a, is like a blog post. I'm too lazy to write. I'm too lazy to sit down and type, but I, I have no problem getting up in front of a microphone and just expressing my thoughts. 
Yeah. Um, the only problem is you can't edit and you have to, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, well, you can kind of edit. You can kind of, <laughs> you can't erase, you can't like cross out a word and, and splice in a new one very easily. Uh, not very easily. No. So, yeah. you know, uh, but, but anyway, I'm, I'm going to take up your challenge. I saw the 30 day challenge that you had to write oh, 500 yeah. words per day. So I'm going to actually do that and maybe turn that into a podcast or a podcast episode after I've written it and edited oh, cool. it, you know? That's fun. So I'm definitely uh, going to take you on that challenge. Um, uh-huh. But but I was just finishing my, my thought here. Um, I started interviewing people and asking people to, for interviews, and I got uh, Pat Flynn got to come on. I got, yeah. got to have Pat Flynn on. I got to have John Eldridge on. Um, wow, he's amazing. He's, he's awesome. I mean, it was like a yeah. spiritual experience sitting with him. Um, and a number of other people like authors and that, that's when things started opening up. It was like, you start looking for, uh, the, the limit, you look for the, the lid of your scope of comfort and you just have to open up that lid and start to ask better questions. Um, and that's what worked for me. Sounded like it worked for you, you know? Yeah. And there's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first few times you do this, there's, um, there's a lot of fear and just insecurity. And then you get a few yeses and there's just something changes. Yeah. It, you know, and there's this confidence, not like bravado, but just arrogance. No, you just go, wow, Mm -hmm. this is working, Mm -hmm. you know, and just something changes. And it was like the first girl who ever said yes to a date with me. I was like, wait, well, what, (laughs) what did you say? Because you're just you just go th- look. I, I got I had to get through a lot of no's to get to that yes. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think there are lots of experiences in our lives that are like that. Where you go, you're saying no before you even tr- you've even tried to hear the yes. Yes. And I think sometimes uh, we sort of walk around with you know the no already echoing in our minds before we've even asked the question. Yes. And I don't have to tell you this, but courage is essentially um, doing things while you're afraid. Yeah. No, and, I, I need to yeah. hear that. I need to yeah. hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I guess once you realize that, you realize, oh, everybody else probably feels the way that I feel. And they're just not letting those feelings necessarily dictate the outcome of their actions. Yeah. And so I can do that. I could pretend to be brave for like 30 seconds and see what happens. Cool. It's, five, it's the that. five second rule, yeah. right? Yeah. Five second rule of just yeah. don't take longer than five seconds to think it, think about it and just, and do it. If you know it's something you want to do, just do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jeff, this has been just totally great for me to get to talk with you. And I want to honor our 30 minute time slot here and, and just kind of ask you one last question to finish okay. up. Um, for, and it's selfish for me as a podcaster, um, how would you recommend I maximize the resources that you are providing direct me, lead me into sort of all of the areas that where you could help me as a podcaster slash blogger, um, to grow my audience to grow my influence? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, yeah. And on goinswriter.com, yeah. you have right. several things. You have several paths. Yes. It seems you have the, the writer's manifesto. You have the, I think it's let it go. I downloaded two things that you gave me. Um, you actually offer three things. So kind of take me down that path of, 
how could you help me um, as a podcaster? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the um, I appreciate the question because uh, you're trying to point people to my work, and I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, my encouragement, whether it's my website or somebody else's website, is if you, if there's somebody um, that you'd like to learn from. Uh, I recommend uh, just going to their website, signing up for their email list, and just pick one thing that you think is going to be uh, useful to you and apply it, and then let them know that you've applied it. Mm. And 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 it's like it's so it's not don't do like the super intensive. Uh, I'm going to do all the things right now. Pick uh-huh. one thing that you're fairly confident that you can succeed in. And then do it and let the person know that you did it and understand, you know, that like you're not going to be best friends after this. But if you do this like three or four or five or six times over the course of several months, uh, you just stand out from uh-huh. people. And uh, and so, yeah, I would recommend um, if it's useful to you. I mean, part of what I do is simply throw things against the wall and go, here's all the things on the wall. Pick whichever one works for you. Um, but there is a free uh, ebook and when you sign up for my email it's called the beginner's guide to building an audience mm-hmm. and it's just like three simple lessons where I kind of walk people through what I understand about uh, blogging and online marketing and how to grow an audience of over a hundred thousand readers which is what I did in the first 18 months of my blog um, I would maybe read that and then go how do I apply this to the podcast and what is one thing that I could try with this and if it works let me know the next time I see it at the factory well even better than that i'll send you an email so that i definitely do it because i you know the chances of me catching you again by uh honest roasters uh, actually are pretty high high. they're pretty high yeah (laughs) probably probably tomorrow okay tomorrow (laughs) all right all right that's great i'm gonna take that and i will do that um and i hope i'm not one of the 80 percent that doesn't follow up i really hope i'm not i want to be the guy that that follows up um and uh and be different um so uh, good stuff, Jeff. I am uh, honored to have you on and privileged to have you on, and I look forward to continuing. Hopefully, this is not just the only conversation we have and continuing a relationship with you. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. It was my uh, pleasure. I appreciate you. And uh, Jeff Goins, Jeff, uh, so that's Goins Writer, G-O-I-N-S Writer.com is where everybody needs to go. Thanks, Jeff, and uh, God bless you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. See ya.